We have a lot of respect for people who practice different religions, and our purpose with this podcast is to simply identify and deconstruct problematic evangelical ideologies. Oh, hi there. I'm Candice. I was just working on situating my lived experience into a salient critique of ideology. Let's see if this thing works. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It seems like it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part, because you never know what you'll discover along the way. But don't take my word for it. Why don't you come along for today's adventure in ideology? Hi guys, welcome to today's episode. I'm Karis. And I'm Candice. This is a show where we talk about adventures in Odyssey, specifically what are the underpinning ideas that are being communicated to children that we kind of absorbed when we were children, and how have those played out in our lives. We have a special guest with us today. His name is Stephen. He's from the podcast Androids and Assets, um, and he's also my husband. Please welcome Stephen. Hello. Hey. Yay, welcome. I'm so excited to be here, and this is a really great episode. So this is the comic book origin story of Wit and Wit's End. So today we're talking about the episode Recollections, and I'll go ahead and just read that two-sentence summary from the wiki. Wit's best friend Tom Riley tells Connie the story of how Wit's End was created amid tragic circumstances. What tragic circumstances? Don't worry, you'll find out. So the exoplot, we'll call it, of the story where you interact with Chris starts with addressing memories, a funny moment where a guy asks his butler if he remembered to draw him a bath and put the stopper in the bath, and the butler is offended and says, of course I remembered to. What do you think I am, stupid? And then they go open the door, and he never remembered to actually turn off the water, and so the water has flooded everywhere. And it's supposed to be a humorous introduction to memories and the way we remember things. And I did not really get what they were trying to do with that. Because she, the very first sentence she says is, memory sometimes plays tricks on you. Yeah, I thought that was funny too, in relation to how is that, how does, how is that going to be in relation to talking about where wit's end came from? It's not. Spoiler, it's not. No, it's but just to, to tell you about that flooding bathtub. It's some sort of, it's an attempt at a segue that was gone badly. Like, Pretty much every other segue of Adventures in Odyssey episodes that we've encountered so far. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's that humor, that hilarious humor that we've come to count on. I said it last time I was on too, but I really think they are really riffing on like Abbott and Costello. It's kind of like vaudeville thing that they consider like a wholesome comedy. And that's what's good. It's it's interesting that you say that because also this episode is all about like hearkening back to the good old days. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When, when... Comedy used to be clean, and... When you could do a minstrel show. (laughs) Did I say the quiet part out loud? Sorry. (laughs) Chris explains to us that in today's episode, Tom Riley shares his most cherished memories with Connie about Wit, his wife Jenny, and the creation of Wit's End. Can I just say, it's really funny to me that they frame it as his most cherished memories of Wit and Jenny, because Jenny dies. Yeah. 
Like, Spoiler. Oh, I loved her so much. <laughs> My favorite memory yeah. is when she died at a city council meeting. Well, and the way that it's set up, you don't really... Tom and Wit didn't know each other until she died. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew Jenny because she was always fighting for things when he was chair of the town council. But he didn't know Wit until basically after she died. Yeah, totally. That's coming. The scene starts out. Connie walks in to wit's end. There's someone under the counter tinkering with things. She can't see who it is. And she says, wit, is that you? I'm sorry that I'm late, but I have a really good reason for it. And then out pops Tom Riley. And he obviously is not wit. And so Connie asks where wit, where wit is. And Tom says that he's at the cemetery. And Connie says, oh, did somebody die? And Tom replies, yes, his wife died. And Connie says, wasn't that a long time ago, though? And Tom says, four years ago today. Then he says, she sure was one special lady. Fiery red hair and hazel eyes and energy. So involved in everything. And he goes on this big um, rant. Not rant, that's not the word. About how great she is. Yeah. This is where we find out that Wit's End was her idea. Yes. Oh, yes. That's the next line. In fact, oh. <laughs> Wit's End was really her idea. And he also says Wit was different back then. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because, I mean, we get to meet Wit back then and he doesn't really seem that different. No. What do you mean he's so brooding? He's less sentimental. I mean, he's still not. We'll see if he was different back then. He had his mind on other things. He was a teacher for 13 years. And Connie says, Really? So that's how he knows so much, which is just a, they have to throw something in there about Connie thinking that he's just the bee's knees. Oh, it, it's at the very end. They really slathered that on. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. Doing a huge sure. jerk off motion right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so then he basically starts to tell her the story. Wits End was an old wreck building that no one had used for years. Tom was a member of the town council. He was chairman. And Jenny was there trying to convince us not to wreck the wreck building. Not to wreck the wreck building. Uh, he says it that way. And then there's a transition, and it goes to Jenny talking about how important it is to keep this building. And then she's interrupted by our key antagonist, Mr. Glossman. Philip Glossman. Philip Glossman. Known enemy of wit's end. He's basically like, it's not the oldest or even one of the oldest buildings, so it has no historical value. Yeah. And so then Jenny is fighting for the sentimental value. Yeah, because it's been there for 50 years. Glossman says, it may have sentimental value to families, but as a piece of true history, it's quite worthless. And then Tom calls a recess for 10 minutes. And Jenny goes over to Wit, and Wit, the ever-encouraging husband, says, Well, you sounded so good up there. And Jenny says, Everything is falling apart. Only half of the people that I wanted to testify showed up. And then Wit says, Well, it sounds like you didn't need anybody else. Then Jenny says, Well, it was, I was hoping the sheriff would be here. He was going to talk about juvenile delinquents. Here's the foreshadowing of the episode. Wit checking in with her. Say, he says, You look pale. 
You sure you're up to it? You haven't been feeling well lately. You never did get over that sore throat, and it's been a month. She's really sick. Yeah, and Jenny says, nonsense, I'm all right. Besides, if I don't save the building, who will? And then Wit says, it seems like a lot of trouble for a broken down piece of real estate. <laughs> she says, don't be an old grump. You sound like Glossman. And then we find out it was Glossman's idea in the first place to tear it down and sell the property. Yes. And Wit agrees with him. He's like, well, he makes a strong case. It makes sense from a business angle. Um, I was once a businessman myself. And Jenny's like, but you still have a heart, don't you? Maybe this is the old Wit that we're supposed to see. Like, he used to be a businessman, and now he doesn't care about money. I don't know. Right. Well, because that is kind of highlighted at the end, right? Yeah. The money thing. Is then Officer Harley shows up? Right. I well, I just wanted to highlight one more thing because oh, she yeah. says, "Will I have to fight you and City Hall?" Oh, They're right. like teasing each other, and he's laughing, and he says, "I just love to see you all riled up. That's all." It's kind of patronizing. It is totally patronizing. <laughs> Which oh, I was like, women, so cute when they have ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then again, he asks her if she, sh- if are you sure you're all right? Sit down, and then. Enter, not the sheriff, but Officer David Harley at your service. Who, fun fact, later becomes the voice, the voice actor who later becomes Detective Harlow Doyle. Harlow Doyle, private eye, right? Private eye, okay. Yeah. And we find out in a different, in like one of those mini behind the scenes episodes, that they made him a private detective because they didn't like that his character made the police look incompetent right because he was so just they kind were of like we want to paint the police as scary as a giant scary army that will defeat black people <laughs> well and this is i think this is important because this also goes back then to the vaudeville tradition right so one of the things in the vaudeville tradition is you always have a straight man and a funny man right somebody who is always very serious and someone who is absolutely nonsensical right and the contrast creates kind of central comedic tension inside right. vaudeville right this vaudeville archetype of like the the funny man was often played by was often played by this harlow doyle character yeah and so it was too irreverent to have such an asinine individual fulfilling the sacred role of police officer yeah well they wanted they wanted their kids to respect the police and they thought that him as a character would not would cause their children to not take the police seriously true feedback that they got um so he officer harley comes to talk about juvenile delinquency um and he's like in the comic relief yeah he it turns out he's actually cadet harley yeah he's still waiting on his final test scores right and that was another um thing that they mentioned in the episode that they never made him a full police officer because of that yeah Yeah. that's funny Um, anyway so then he starts talking he's there to talk about juvenile delinquency and his what he says is the biggest single cause of juvenile delinquency is young people yeah basically 19 years of age yeah uh thanks yeah harlow our officer harley (laughs) he says uh coincidence maybe but do we really want to take the chance I, for one, don't think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Um, you know. And then Glossman kind of closes out by saying there's not enough evidence to keep it, to yeah. keep the building open. You've got a lot of support, but that's not the same as evidence. You yourself even said it's not historically valuable. Uh, and we don't have young people problems in Odyssey. <laughs> I wrote, because cult town, question mark, after that. <laughs> And then uh, Jenny says, well, the reason there are no young problems with young people is precisely because of places like this rec center. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on children, even of Odyssey, to grow up too fast. They need a place to be children. This center has been that place, and with some renos, could be again. And Glossman was like, and how, how do we pay for that? Tax revenue? Webster Development Firm is willing to build a shopping mall and bring in money instead of taking it. And so it all Glossman's comes down a deficit to money. Hawk. So then Jenny is getting worked up and is saying, please, please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen. And then she faints. Okay, uh, I think it's important. To, uh, yep. I think what Jenny says there is important. So she says... Don't let our children grow up in an atmosphere that doesn't care what they do or believe. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. And then she faints. Yeah. After that. So there is this focus on cultivating correct belief in children. And protecting correct atmosphere, correct surroundings. Yeah. I mean, I'm more interested in the, in the way that that kind of is the mission statement for Adventures in Odyssey as a whole. Totally. Content for children devoid of indoctrination is malevolent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, because and the- we were talking, me and Stephen were talking about this, mm-hmm. um, how there is, they're really against uh, video arcades and movie rental places, except... So I I just kind of thought Wit was against technology, but he's definitely not because he creates technology all the time. And yeah. later he creates that computer program. When Glossman yeah. comes back, um, he creates a computer program called Applesauce. And also the Imagination Station is like virtual reality before it's time. So, yeah. It's a straight up holodeck, man. <laughs> it's, it's not, just, it's not yeah. the technology. It, they want to control the messaging. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I was going to say, too, is it's even even as it says, like, a way back to old things. You know, we maybe we don't want something new and flashy. Maybe we want to keep things how they were. And a lot of that is back to, like, old family values and that kind of stuff. To me, this this kind of hearkening back to the olden days. Almost always means slavery. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Or or the Jim Crow laws. Or Jim Crow. Yeah. 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 It's all it's always about white supremacy. So the 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 thing, yeah, the thing everyone's pining for is always the racist past. Right? Is always yeah. for racial segregation. That doesn't come out explicitly in this episode, but I am interested to see how it comes out in other episodes because I'm yeah. sure I'm sure it will. It definitely comes out in this episode because one of the things that's happening is in mass media in the in the late in the 80s and 90s, black people are becoming very prominent in the mass media, and there's all this paranoia about rap music, 
you know, black people being in film and television and the notion that their perceived negative traits will be disseminated, right? And I think this right. Is, so what you're saying is, is they're trying to protect kids, quote unquote, protect kids from that in the secular media, any yeah. kind of messaging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's presented as trying to preserve traditional values. Yeah. But really what they're trying to preserve is whiteness. Yeah. Totally. Because remember, this this is starting in 1984, right? Ugh. Yeah. You, there's no, no, no. 1988. There's, 1988, mm-hmm. sorry. This is starting in the 1980s, right? Folks in the family's been around since the 70s, mm-hmm. right? So it's been around for almost for over a decade now. They never saw an impetus to do this until now. What's what's happening right now? Well, hmm. NWA is happening right now, right? <laughs> you know, like in the late 80s, early 90s, rap music is coming into fruition. You know, um, television shows that with black that feature black families and black protagonists are coming into mm-hmm. into existence. Uh, this is why it's good to have you on, because you always situate it in the current, in what's going on in the world at that time, like with your podcast. Whereas I'm more interested in, like, how did, did this affect people and how did we see it play out in our lives? But for th- talking about things like racism, that is, it's very useful. Next scene is that they're at the hospital. The doctor approaches uh, Wit and says that she is very seriously ill asked Wit if she had any strep infection lately. He said yes. She, well, she had a sore throat, and he said if not taken care of, it can move to various parts of the body, such as the kidneys, and called it chronic glomerular nephritis, I think. Yes, I looked it up. Oh, okay. It's a I real didn't. thing. Okay. Except she couldn't have had the chronic kind, because that if is it like a, it's a slow onset that would have developed right. over years. But she could have had acute glomerulonephritis okay. which would have been which would have had a sudden start so what's that like you get a you get a lymph you get an infection it's in your lymph nodes and then it spreads to your kidneys it's in your kidneys yeah 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 okay. and, and it causes kidney failure yeah and basically the doctor said the kidneys have deteriorated so much there's nothing more that can be done why didn't you tell um, me you were peeing blood for a month i know there would have been other there would have been other symptoms yeah a lady and, never yeah. said and it would have taken longer than a month even if it was acute but yeah, you know, story. They didn't have. They also didn't have Google back then to be able to look all this stuff up to fact right. check. <laughs> they couldn't just Google like weird sudden onset diseases that cause death. <laughs> yeah. So Wit asks how much time she has, and the doctor basically says you need to talk to her now. Then he goes in and talks to her, and she says, "Well, it looks like I won't be able to save the center." And. They do a little banter back and forth where he says, well, it was a pile of garbage anyway, basically. And and then she shares a memory. She says, remember when our kids were little, you were putting your encyclopedia together. You had something new and different and exciting to show them every day. They couldn't wait until you got home. And he said, neither could I. You made it a wonderful place to be, Jenny. Oh, yeah, I did. I yeah, forgot yeah. about that. He's got to highlight the gender roles. Yeah. She was the homemaker. Yeah. Even though she was also the one that was out, you know, fighting for all the causes. Yeah, but she could do that because she was at home. Because she was a homemaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then she says, I love you, John. And then there's sad music. And this is where, okay, I was wondering Mm -hmm. if you think we should start a death tally. Because I want to. Yeah. Okay. Let's start a spreadsheet. Because I think we should record um, who dies. Are they male or female? And how? And what's the outcome of their death? 
Because the ones that I can think of, I mean, I feel like the women always die of a horrible disease. Yeah. Yeah. Does this happen a lot? Well, I know that Tom Riley, his wife. Oh, his mom. No, his Tom Riley's wife is not dead. No, Tom Riley's stepmom got got blinded when she fell off her horse. Is that who you're thinking? No, I was thinking the the one with Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's Tom's wife, but she's not. That's dead. his wife. No, yeah. right. But yeah, I was but just thinking we should also maybe just like keep track of like disease. Like the women seem to get terrible diseases. They're so frail. Yeah, because there's also that one about the girl who gets cancer. Uh, and so right. far, we know Jerry died in the war. Right. A noble manly death. I love this idea of gender deaths. <laughs> yeah, I'm really well, I think it's. It, yeah. I think it's going to be a very interesting. I think we'll have some interesting results. But we need to start keeping track now because we've got a long way to go and we don't want to backtrack. No, totally, yeah. Those are the only ones I can think of, but we'll also have to go through, we'll have to make sure we're tracking even in the episodes we don't talk about. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Jenny dies from this, like, freak medical condition. And her death then kind of propels wit to becoming a great man and right. in the community, you know? I mean, not that he wasn't already great as a teacher or blah, 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 yeah. but. It's a, it's his, it's, it's his superhero origin story. It is. Right? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's Spider-Man I, and the and Uncle Ben. But it seems like in Christian culture, it's often the women. He gets, women dying. He gets incredible. A woman dies and he gets incredible powers as a busybody. <laughs> <laughs> he was bitten by a radioactive dying lady. <laughs> oh, she wasn't now, radioactive. Yeah, now he died. can now he can meddle like a now he can meddle like a whole sewing circle. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we should make that comic and put it on our Patreon. Wit's wit and his super meddling superpowers. Okay. So then it's a month later and Tom Tom and Harley go to visit Wit, who's grieving, and ask him if he wants what he wants to do about the Fillmore. And Wit is basically like, I don't want to do anything about it. That's the project that killed my wife. Jumps back to back back to Tom and Tom talking to Connie. Yeah, I know, I just didn't think that was very important. And well, cause he says <gasps> Oh yeah, okay. She loved the Lord, so if anyone was ready to go, it was her. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that, I know. I, uh, yeah, that just, just that rubbed me the wrong way. Well, it just becomes this like angelic hero figure, right? Like anyone who dies becomes this like holier than thou person, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Just she's well, the, she's been, she was the greatest. Yeah, morally, she was the most spiritual. I took it as I think the reason I find this this. What's it called? This this platitude. I think the reason I find this platitude so offensive is because, do you remember when our grandpa died? Mm Mm-hmm. And I was at youth group that week, and someone said something like that to me, like, not, not he was ready. Well, something like, oh, it was his time, or he's in a better place now, or something. And it just... Was I? It's a gross one. I think. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it, I think a lot of them are. It offended me. Well, yeah, because it's it's invalidating of your grief. It was completely invalidating. Right? It's of my grief. you are yeah. grieving, and someone is telling you to celebrate. Yes, exactly. It was like, oh, get over it. 
<laughs> like, oh. Because your grief. Don't feel sad. Again, that, that whole you're not allowed to have feelings or express them. Yeah. Yeah. Your grief is inconvenient to the celebratory mood we're attempting to cultivate. It makes people uncomfortable. It makes people yeah. feel uncomfortable. You need to change it. And it is contrary to God in a way. Like, this was God's plan. So you just need to accept it and move on. Yeah. I guess that this is what he says is a little bit different than that, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they say, wet, hid, and grieved. Out of respect for Jenny, we tabled the uh, issue for a month. And then Tom and Dave Harley go to visit Wit at the end of that month. Tom's father helped build it during the Depression, build the Fillmore during the Depression, and he would like to save it. And Wit's just really angry because he thinks that trying to save the Fillmore is what killed Jenny. He says, don't tell me about my wife. I know her better. And um, so then when they're leaving, Tom says, too bad your wife couldn't say the same about you. Yes. And before that, when he's trying to convince Wit, he says, there's some of us here who like the old ways, who don't want our town to become all chrome and glass. Your wife was one. Her heart was in the right place. Again, it's that hearkening back to the olden days. Yeah. Simpler Um, times. Yeah. More wholesome somehow. So then the next scene is Wit going to check out the broken down building. And there's a little girl there playing. And she says, excuse me, you're sitting in my living room. And uh, you're standing in my living room because she's playing out on the... I don't... I always pictured that she was like outside the building on the dirt, but I guess... If he's inside the building, it would also make sense. So then they talk back and forth a little bit. He, she's just very sweet talking about different, you know, this is the living room. This is the bedroom and that's the kitchen. And he says, and what do you do in there? And she says, watch soap operas, silly. And then she says, she's sad that it's going to be broken down. And then he says, well, but what about a nice arcade or a video game place? And she says, video games get boring after a while. Which I've never heard a child say that compared to playing. Yes, please. Yeah, like compared to sitting and playing in dirt. Gee, I wish I were sitting and playing in dirt instead of playing video games all day. And then her mom calls her from across the way. And her, her mom calls, Jenny, Jenny, time to come home. And... In Je- and Wit says, what, what did your mom call you? And she says, Jenny, that's my name. And he says, what a beautiful name. It's set up in such a way that it's like a sign from God. You know, that totally. the next generation of Jennies <laughs> yeah. Yeah. wants him to save the place. And that changes his whole mind. So he storms the city council meeting. They're... They've just decided that they're going to sell the Fillmore. And Glossman has, he's like, we should take this generous offer from Webster Development. Wit comes storming in and he's like, I want to bid on it too. And he bids $3.5 million from the Universal Press Foundation of Chicago. Which is 500000 more than Webster bid. Um, and he wants, to, and then they ask him what he's going to turn it into. And this is important because this is the mission statement yep. of Wit's End. He wants to rebuild it as 
a place of adventure and discovery filled with fun and games, arts and crafts, and uplifting conversation. But most of all, it will be a place where kids of all ages can just be kids. Sounds pretty nice. Yeah. And then he says the same thing that Tom had said before. Yeah, some people. Some, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, you. I didn't have it all written down. So. Oh, there are some people who like the old things. And I don't know. I didn't write it all down either. Who don't right. want them to turn into glass and chrome. Or- glass and chrome. Yeah. Besides, what do you care so long as the place gets sold? Huh? That is the objective, isn't it? Yeah. And then Glossman's like, well, y- y- yes, but obviously he has I a guess. problem with it. Yeah. I don't have internationally significant machinations for something that may or may not be under the land. Which we find out later. A, a <laughs> whole thread that I have never heard, so I'm excited to hear those ones. It, it's really <gasps> funny about Glossman how, like, he's like a local town councilman. Like, how how evil can you be as a town councilman? Like, you're corrupt, maybe you're infidelity. I don't, like, you can't be that bad at that level of power. Like, you're just not, <laughs> you're not, like, international I mean, arms dealer level bad. Like, you just can't be. I saw The Wire. <laughs> yeah, of, like, a major city. Like... <laughs> Odyssey is a major city, We don't know how of, big it is. <laughs> of, a, of an un- indeterminate size. Maybe 21 million people live there. I don't know. Um, and then that's the end, and we go back to the Wit's Tom end. And, yeah, Tom yeah. and Connie hanging out. And we out. find out that Wit is the chairman of the Universal Press Foundation. And that he's owned the place for four years and never earned a penny. Yep. And then Wit co- comes in and says, anything exciting happened while I was gone? And Connie just says, you're a really incredible man, Mr. Whitaker. And I'm imagining that she's giving him a hug. But I, yeah, because then he asks, what was that about? And Tom was like, I don't know. Just She's just being a teenager, I guess. Which was a joke because teenagers, as we all know, are acerbic and disagreeable. Distant, yeah. Ooh, acerbic. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. Yeah. Thoughts? I have several. Is it okay? Uh, yeah, please share some yeah. of your thoughts with us. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so number one, one of the big things in this is this focus on um, growing up too fast, right? No, kids are going to grow up too fast. Kids are going to grow up too fast. Yes, and that is, is related to movies and video games. Like, yeah, is there like too violent? Yeah. Well, what? Yeah, what? What is? What is the thing that destroys the idyllic sphere of childhood? Human sexuality, right? Yeah. Yep. Right. And so the thing. So so yeah. so fundamentally, the the pri- the primary concern is if we create a commercial space, how will we protect them from the ravages of human sexuality? Um, which is you know, and I think. Which is not completely a bad impulse, right? Like, there is a piece to which, you know, I really don't think exposing children to sexual images and content those things is a good thing. Because it's not, objectively, <laughs> right? Um, but there's this, there's this, like, there's this huge panic about it, right? And so one of the things is we need spaces where we can monitor children ostensibly for policing their developing sexuality. Okay, so there is a panic about it, but... There's also, 
It's not because they don't want kids to learn about sex. It's because they want to control the narrative about sex, right? The way they go about it makes it kind of your body becomes like this shameful thing. It's not like they want people to have a healthy education about sex. It's like they just don't want them to have any yeah, any yeah. understanding of yeah. it at all. Yeah, you are pristine and innocent. Yeah. And then you are soiled and ruined. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I would argue that that's not just in relation to sex, but in relation to everything in the world. Like... There's this there's this fight to keep them completely sheltered from everything. So, yeah, I think I think sex is a big part of it. But I think there's other things, too, like. Drugs and swearing and mm-hmm. you know, bad influences. I don't know yeah. anything that they're afraid of kids leading kids astray or changing the narrative. Someone that has a different perspective on things, someone that's had a different experience. Like, I think I think there's more. Mm-hmm. There's more to it. Totally, well, there is. And if you will, come on, come on me with the journey. All right, come, with, come, come with me. With come you. on a journey with me. Yes, uh, let, let's go on. Let's go on for a ride. On, and we're gonna go to some weird places. So please a just. Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> there were beans. Lots of beans. We're back. We had a good trip. What is that from? Okay. No. It's like <laughs> it's weeble like... and stuff. It's like old internet flash. <laughs> comedy from like the like, yeah from like the newgrounds days and yeah it's like this is very old internet you zoomers you gotta <laughs> zoomers won't understand <laughs> the family one of its core functions is to preserve the innocence of children there's an assault on the family and this is right. going to play out in the successive de- in the con- in the intervening three almost three decades it, the long-term consequence of which is going to be QAnon. Because QAnon oh, is a whole modality of understanding the world that says there is a systemic program victimizing children. And the world needs to be remade in the name of preventing the victimization and damaging of children. Yeah. I mean, I think that is, I think that is a strong connection. So, and yeah. we're going to go, well, now I'm going to, now we're going to go back because <laughs> I have to go back. Cause one of the things Candace remarked to me is like, wow, it's interesting that they're being critical of capitalism. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so there's a reason right. for this. Yeah. There's I thought a that reason was interesting too. They will break with this orthodoxy because of something that I think a lot, I mean, I'm really on fire about these days and teaching people about is this notion of fascistic third positionism. So one of the things that, one of the things that's critical. Oh my God, I did not even, oh, I I don't know what that is. So, so, so one of the things that's critical to the fascist theory, right? So Mm -hmm. fascists. Just a minute, before, before you talk about this, can we just situate this a little bit more in the episode? So I was talking about how it's interesting how you have, um. Glossman. You have Tom and Jenny against. You know, they want, they want things to be old fashioned. They want things, they, they want, they don't want malls. They don't want capitalism. You have Glossman. He's this like capitalist trying to, um, bring in more business. And they're like, no, we don't need that. And I just thought that was interesting because now if you look around, they're so entwined, like capitalism is God's system and it's just like consume, consume, consume. And your church is just another place where you can consume, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that was the thought that I had when I was listening to it also. So now, now for this, we have to go back to the political science definition of 
fascism, right? And so fascism is a political system that defines itself as being about the veneration and advancement of a nationality or people, right? right. So in Nazi Germany, this took the form of the, the Volk, the folk, right? Because the V in German makes an F sound, like the people. So there was this mythical German people, right? And the purpose of that political ideology was to advance the cause of that group of people. And so because of that, it wasn't programmatic, right? It could be capitalistic, it could be socialistic, whatever that means. Like, it could do whatever, right? And so one of the things, so then the Nazi, so the, it allowed the fascists and the Nazis to present themselves in such a way that like, hey, listen, we're not left, we're not right, we're just pro-German, right? Right. So they, so they presented themselves as being not in the political, in, in the game of political ideology, and that appealed to a lot of people. Right. And it still does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And so and they could do that because they had this position where all policy was instrumental to what they really cared about, which was this theoretical advancement of their ethnicity. Hey, we don't care about capitalism or socialism. What we really care about is racism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not left, not right, but racist. But racist. Yeah. 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 And so so this becomes then and like we can use both of those to be racist. Yeah. And so this yeah. is what this is what made the Nazis this is what made fascist ideology extremely powerful because it enabled them to co-opt the critique of capitalism. Because right, right. they would say they would say yeah, the money grubbing corporations are making your life hard. They're making your life hard, they're making your life difficult. Guess who runs all the companies? The Jews, right? Yeah. Jews oh. love money, right? Interesting, yeah. I'm not saying that. That's what they were saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it becomes, so then they, because they could take the critique, it'll enable them to co-opt the critique of capitalism, right? Right. And so when we, when we go back and we understand the thing, that when, whenever anyone talks about yearning for the good old days, for the past, they are yearning for racial apartheid, a yeah. stronger racial apartheid in America. They are yearning for the restoration of the Jim Crow laws if not the restoration of the planter class mm -hmm. in the South. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there we will come across episodes where that's even more clearly explicit. <laughs> yeah. There are going to be some ones about American history oh, that man. are extremely on the nose about this. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, the, we'll have you back for the American history ones because I am not a history buff in Me any either. Way. So it would be, in Christian circles, there is a strong movement for historical revisionism <laughs> so it is good to have a fact checker <laughs> who can be like hey no, this is just a straight up lie yeah because they like to do that the only thing i was going to say about this episode is that this is one this has has historically been one of my favorite episodes because it's so uh, you know someone trying to fight for the greater good and great, the greater good and, uh, sorry, Candace, do you want to say something? I, I do, because you yeah. reminded me of my other thought about this episode was that I didn't fully understand what the big deal was with saving this specific building, right? They definitely frame right. it as being this is for the social good and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But again, is nostalgia a good enough reason for saving a building? Like Glossman said, you could, right. not that I'm saying he's the good guy here, but like they could have just built 
a new one or somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure why I was supposed to be like, so in the corner of this specific building. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. To be honest, I, my thought was only like, Wit wants this building because Jenny wanted this building. Yeah. Why did Jenny want this building? I don't know. I didn't, I never went that far. The old you know? nostalgia. Yeah. They only had 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They can, yeah, yeah. they can only do so much. I but. mean, and it, it was a piece of history, but yeah. I mean, a piece I mean, of community, I guess. Yeah. Well, and you find out later that like it was connected in the, like there's like a piece in the basement that was part of the railroad. Ra- Underground railroad. railroad. Yeah. Well, well, this is where we, there is an interesting thing where I think this got retconned later on in the series. Because if you watch the cartoon. What does, and, wait, what does retconned mean? Like, got, the story got changed. Okay, right? okay. Later yeah, on, yeah. people went back and then changed, arbitrarily changed the meaning of things that had happened earlier in the show. And inserted things. It happens all the time. It's shorthand. Yes. Right? And it's yeah, a reference yeah. to like a drug from Blade Runner or something. Oh, okay. Right? You know, I don't okay. Know. <laughs> like how you give people the drug and they forever the past the differently. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this gets changed because if you look at the cartoon, Wits End or any drawing of Wits End, it's always a Victorian mansion. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. Right. Which is weird. If it was built for a rec the depression. Center. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also really weird if it was theoretically built in the 30s. Yeah. Right. And that's because it gets changed. Right. And part okay. of that is to tie it back. So one of the things that it is adjacent is a piece of land called McAllister Park. And McAllister right. Park. So this is and the McAllister family is the founding family of the town. So one of the big things right. is it is it, it, it later on, it's used to reinforce this link to the centrality of heritage mm-hmm. of the settlers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the naturalizing Wait. of. Indi- so, uh, of. Sorry, just to clarify, it is. The McAllister's old mansion? I don't, I'm not, well, don't quote me on this. I'm not 100% sure. We got to verify. We got to sort we'll this out. I don't remember, but, but yeah. But there definitely is, it, at one point it becomes a, ho- a historically significant house. It does. And it yeah. is then conjoined to all of these major historical events in a way that changes it beyond what it was presented as initially. I mean, I think this being their first season, they do that with a lot of things, like yeah. Carlo Doyle and, you yeah. know. You try things, you see what works, and it, if it doesn't, you change it. Yeah. I mean, you see that in TV shows, too. Um, You see that in our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That, too. But, I mean, you see that in TV shows, too, where, say, the house is laid out a certain way, and there's a wall here, and then in the second episode, there's suddenly a door where the wall used to be, because it makes more sense going forward. And you don't realize it until you go back and watch the first episode, and you're like, oh... There used to be a piano against that wall, and that used to be a wall <laughs> because they changed it because of yeah. whatever reason, right? What I was saying before was like, I always, this one was always one of my favorites, partially because, you know, it's just like you feel so good that they, they're like fighting for the right thing. And also, as a writer, as, a, as, a, as an author, there's like, it has all the elements of like, the 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 climax of like you know there's like a death and tragedy and like a redeeming character arc and like some of that stuff and i think from a young age because i liked this episode so much it it just was a sort in a sense maybe a source of inspiration for other things that i wrote or was like oh or i like i liked it but i didn't understand why until i read other stories that had similar character arcs or you know um um 
a more lovable character dies every single book you know and it's like it's like that kind of a character arc that that the writer in me really just like clung on to it seemed like so so because of that i think this has always been kind of a um uh i don't know just a personally favorite episode i guess and this is i think this and this also like ties to like one of the reasons that i think fascism is successful as a political ideology because of the way, because it conforms well to aesthetic norms. A lot of it. And this, this is not a, this is not a, this is not about anybody. I'm, no, that, no, no, no. That segue. I'm right? sorry. That, yeah. That no, no. Because, all right, here's, here's the thing, right? We as human beings who relate to ourselves as individual people with other individual yep. people, right. we on a very intuitive gut level, understand a person and their struggle to change and do things. Right. Right. Fascism says, the personal struggle to change and do things is the most important thing in the world for some people. <laughs> right. Right. So, and so it, it lends itself, it blends very well with that. And that, that's a part of why they were, I think have been very successful. And that's part of what makes QAnon very successful now. Right. You, you can bust open the big case. You're going to you use digital soldier. You, all right. Okay. <laughs> and that's what, that's why, um, that podcast was so popular. Yeah, cereal. Cereal. That's exactly why cereal is popular. Yeah. Why? Because it gave you information, and then it basically everyone felt like they were in on solving the case. So every week they gave you oh, new information, and then yeah, people got really really into it. Okay, huh. let's go on. Let's do these discussion questions and yeah, and call her good. Question one: Why did Jenny Whitaker want to preserve the Fillmore Recreation Center? For kids. <laughs> For adrenochrome extraction. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to, to... I Actually, I think you're right. Because this is... I mean, she says it's for nostalgia. But really, it is for also for protecting kids. And yeah. um, ultimately, it becomes for indoct- childhood indoctrination. Is it important to preserve buildings, items, and memories? I think this gets at, kind of gets at the heart of the episode. Okay. And relates to what you were saying about fascism, right? Because it doesn't, oh, also I should, I should tell you that the next question is why? Not why or why not? So you know the correct answer is yes, yes. it's important. Yeah. Um, but what what this question doesn't ask is what buildings, items, and memories, whose buildings, items, and memories, right? Like yeah, what gets that's, prioritized as important. That's what I was going to say too is like at what point when saying yes do we become hoarders? Yeah. Or when like is perso- it like... Like personally, you know, oh, like, right. oh, I have to, oh, I'm preserving everything. I can't throw anything away because everything has a memory. Mm-hmm. And then you have stacks of newspapers and stacks of stacks of stacks of stuff because everything has to be preserved. So it, what, where's the line? Yeah. And I was, was thinking like culturally, which, <laughs> totally. which cultural memories are you preserving? Which groups, which groups artifacts yeah. are you preserving and prioritizing? Right. Which statues are staying up? And getting, <laughs> which statues mm-hmm. are being made in the first place? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which ones are not yeah. being made or getting knocked down? Yeah. 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 What What historical events are you memorializing? Yeah. 
very that's very salient this whole past year was the United States tearing itself apart because some people said that a statue proclaiming a racist is a great hero. Yeah. Maybe should be torn down. <laughs> Absolutely. So the this question seems very disingenuous to me because it's like, yes, we should save stuff. Yeah. We should preserve, but they think they know what should be preserved. It's not, it's not open for discussion. It's not like we're yeah. going to, we're going to hear everyone's cases. Every, everyone's opinion matters. No, it's like the people who have this opinion matters. The White Settler Society of old. Exactly. Matters. The yeah, White Settler exactly. Society of old. Yeah. What's the most significant memory you have? Think of a memory now. Go. No, mind is, I, my mind is like blank. <laughs> Think of a memory. Blank. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite memories from when I was a kid is when we... I mean, I have a lot of good memories of when I was a kid, uh, but... When grandma and grandpa lived in Moose Jaw, we lived in Karenport, uh, and we went to church in Moose Jaw, and Sunday afternoons, sometimes we would go to their place and have lunch and hang out. And I remember one afternoon, uh, I laid and cuddled on the couch with grandpa, and we watched some mermaid, some like cheesy Disney mermaid movie, and it was the best Sunday afternoon of my childhood. Like, it was so great. I just remember cuddling with Grandpa, and, like, I can still remember, like, what his arm skin feels like, like, in, like, not a weird way, but... uh, That is so sweet. That And that was a really, really sweet, wonderful memory for me. And I I think he napped. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so there's, so there's my, one of my favorite memories. God damn that question. Because, no, because it does something very sinister. Because it asks you to remember something personally fond to you. Mm-hmm. And then says, this, people attempting to change the narrative about the history of the United States is yep. akin to someone destroying your most cherished memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a yeah. profoundly false equivalency. That's- and this is what happens over and over yeah. That's also why they framed it like that at the beginning of the episode. Like that yeah. is his, some of his most cherished memories. That's exactly why. To create the false equivalency. And this is what nationalism does. People like the place they live. And they say, well, you like the place you live, don't you? Therefore, you like America or Canada or wherever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, where you live will still be where you live, right? <laughs> Regardless yeah. of what corporate national entity it belongs to <laughs> or their fi- fiscal policy whatever like i mean that is very that is very much the way christianity operates in america as a civic as the civic civic religion religion um do you have a memory though all my memories are of loving the state and our <laughs> laws and our economic policy <laughs> Yeah, that tracks with what I know of you. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. Man, you should see our sex life. <laughs> Off the hook. <laughs> Am I the only person that's sharing a memory? <laughs> Somebody else has to share something. Yeah, man, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the worst guest I come in here. Yeah, come in here and shit on yeah. everything. No, I mean, I mean that's, that's a really beautiful. I mean, no, I mean, like, the thing is, like, I think that's just the, the structure of the show. Kara shares a very touching, uh, <laughs> deep Insight is very vulnerable. And then... Uh, <laughs> what? And then I just shit on everything? 
Hey, I mean, I, I share. I, <laughs> yeah, you apologize. It's, it's not as, it's, it's just as great as, you know, me saying I liked this episode because of writing reasons and Stephen immediately going, well, fascism. <laughs> yeah, right. That is why yeah. fascism is successful as a political <laughs> ideology. Um, you know, I have one. Okay, so when we were little and we lived on that small, on the small Bible college campus, um, mom sent me and John to go get potatoes. From the root cellar, there was a communal root cellar. Yeah. So we went and we filled up a bag with potatoes, but the bag had a hole in it. So our potatoes kept leaking out and we were little, like I was probably maybe six, five or six. And then John would have been four. four. <laughs> we were these like adorable, cute little kids. Our, our sack had a hole in it. And so we were just like leaving a trail of potatoes behind us. So then we would stop and then go back and like collect them all and fill up our bag and then keep going <laughs> and then stop and go back and collect them all and fill up our bag. Uh, did you make it home? Cute. Yeah, we did. I don't know if someone helped us at some point though. That's it really took us funny. a really, I just remember it took us a really long time to make it down the sidewalk, like from the root cellar, just. Yeah, to the end of the sidewalk. I think someone came and helped us. <laughs> That's really funny. Aww. Uh, cute kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's end this thing. Now, Stephen, is there anything you would like to plug? Yes, you should check out my podcast, Androids and Assets.ca. Or just on your favorite podcatcher, just type in Androids and Assets and it will come up. Uh, I am also working on some very top-secret project of Patreon content for this podcast. So when that launches, you can get that. And that's where really all this stuff about like the history of folks in the family and the United States and the moral majority is kind of all going to get laid out very systematically. So if your interest is piqued, um, watch for the Patreon because there's going to be stuff coming up for that. Yeah, you should definitely check out Androids and Assets. Every once in a while, I'm a guest on there. You are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, our most returned guest. <laughs> Eventually, I would also like to be a guest on there. We're go- you're going to be. <laughs> We're going to be doing some uh, review of a Christian sci-fi book in an upcoming show at some point. We'll keep you posted. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at Ideology Podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Magical Trevor. Really? It's like every church's wet dream. <laughs> yeah. No? Are you mm. going to cut that? Are you mm. going to cut that? No, it's staying in. It's staying <laughs> in. And this is also staying in. <laughs> yeah. um. Everyone loves Magical Trevor Because the tricks that he does are ever so clever Look at him now, disappearing